take just a few moments here, if you don't mind. And uh, I would like to call the Ugandan team, mission team up. Uh, If you're new with us, we just sent a team of 15 over to Uganda. I'd like you all to come on up here. And uh, we just had one of the most amazing two weeks of ministry. And uh, you were a part of it. What in the world's going over here? I'm telling you, hurting these two. All through Uganda was like herding cats right here, right here. These ones right here. I'm telling you, it's been fun though. But I want to just take a minute and uh, share. Some, we want to share some pictures with you. Dana, yep, there you go. There is, there, we were at the equator and uh, we brought the 12 we represented and uh, we had a great time. That's not the whole team. That's just a portion of the team. You're going to hear a little bit more about that picture in a little bit. But uh, we had the absolute privilege of going uh, on over to the other side of the world and uh, ministering in your stead. You know, not everyone can go, but uh, sometimes some have to send and others go. Amen. So we had the privilege of going. And I want to encourage every single one of you as we're talking about this. You know, we are not heroes. We are not Olympic champions. We are not millionaires. But I'll tell you what. We are a group of people that laid it down for 12 days. And I want to encourage you that you can be a part of that as well. If God, as we're talking about this, if he starts stirring your heart to do this, then do it. (laughs) We're going to do it again next year. We've got other plans and great ideas cooking already. But uh, just realize as we're talking about how all the cool things that went on, we are just normal. Are you just normal folk? Yet we changed a lot of things. Amen. Well, you know, a few of them are heroes, I guess. But uh, I just want to start really quickly. We're just going to take a few minutes. Uh, We started our team off and our trip. We we flew out of SeaTac and we landed in Amsterdam. And we chose to go ahead and get out of the airplane and out of the airport. And we spent three days in Amsterdam ministering with a church over there. I don't know if you remember Pastor Rolf Hendricks who came here and uh, spoke with his family uh, back in, I think it was February or something like that. And we got the excited, we got all excited about maybe going and helping him. He, they have a church there. The Netherlands is a very hard ground. It's very difficult to get ministry off the ground. Churches are very, very small. But this little tiny church is a power-packed church. In fact, the name of it is Power City. That's the name of it. They're going to make it be power. Marcy, would you come on up? Where are you? Oh, right here. And uh, go ahead and share about some of our escapades in Amsterdam. So we stopped in Amsterdam on our way in, which was really nice to get off the plane and not have to keep going. So it was really cool. We did a couple of canal tours, did some little touristy types of things like seeing the windmills and things of that nature. Um, We did not go to the red light district. That was some miscommunication with our team and with their team. But that is okay because their church was awesome. Oh my gosh, they couldn't have had more than maybe 20 people the night that we did their ministry. That was us praying with them, Um, and it was unbelievable. They are so on fire for Jesus, and they are so spirit-filled that it just blew me away. So right now, they're meeting in this area. They have a really, really big church, um, but this is their little room that they meet in. But that's their future sanctuary. Um, It is humongous. If you could stop on this picture. Um, I'm actually on the second level that we took this picture. Um, I think it seats over 1,000, 2,000. 1,300. So it is huge. So if you guys can be praying for them that they are just going to fill every seat in there. Um, It is a beautiful, beautiful building. They're right between a hospital 
and a police station. I don't know what could be better than that. I mean, they are right there. So that was really neat. So if you guys can keep them in your prayers, they are amazing people. They don't all speak English. They all speak Dutch. But he has an English ministry that he does once a month. And he is a Seahawks fan. So, you know, we like to, I don't have that picture. Um, but anyway, just keep them in your prayers. They are an amazing, amazing group of people. We are so glad that we could be with them so they could launch us into Uganda. And they actually gave to our ministry as well when we went. So that was really cool. For such small numbers, they were amazing. That's right. So uh, Amsterdam was amazing. And then after that, we, we're going to skip a few pictures there, or if you want to th- show them really quickly, I don't know. Uh, we went ahead and climbed back on that airplane, and we flew on into Uganda, and uh, that was a fun trip. Um, and we landed there, uh, and uh, the very next day we got up very early. This was on about two or three hours of sleep, depending on how well you slept climbed in our van and uh, drove down uh, to Masaka to be with Rosina. And then once we got to Rosina, then we climbed back in the van and drove down to where the refugee camp was and our construction site. So by the time we got there, I will just tell you, I was getting frustrated. Have you ever seen me frustrated? Amen. Amen. I kind of get quiet. When I start looking around, it's like, okay, God, you know, I know you like to send us to the far corners of the earth, but this is ridiculous. We have just driven for hours past places and churches that we could have ministered at, and you are sending us to the ends of the earth. Come on. I don't know if I like this. Then we turned off of the freeway, which has speed bumps on it. The freeway does have speed bumps. In fact, we counted between Masaka and the refugee camp. There's 88 sets of speed bumps. That's not including the potholes. 88 sets. I don't know why they do that. Can you imagine I-5 with 88 cents of speed bumps between here and Seattle? I think we'd all be mad. Anyway, by the time we got there, though, I was very, very, very frustrated. I'm just being real. Can I be real? And, uh, but the Lord said, this is your place. We were right on the border of Tanzania. We were out in the middle of nowhere absolute middle of nowhere. And uh, the, the construction of the medical clinic happened within just a few miles of this spot. But what you're looking at right now is the refugee camp. And the refugee camp was absolutely, spectacularly amazing compared to last year. Last year, they lived in luxury, the uh, Sudanese refugee camp. This refugee camp is actually the Rwandans who were chased and, you know, ethnically cleansed out of Rwanda 20 years ago. You You know, the Hutus and the, I think it's the Tutsis or the Tutsis or something like that. So these are all Hutu. And they fled to Tanzania, and then two years ago they were, they were um, given 24 hours to remove themselves from Tanzania. So they ran over the border to this place right here. It's, an actually, a, uh, it's actually a, an airline strip, and they are not allowed to leave that little strip. They're not allowed to plant. They're not allowed to have any kind of anything. What they did, uh, if, uh, at first they were given nothing, but then um, UNICEF came in and gave them tarps. And uh, the government has been coming in for the last two years, giving them food and clothing. And six months ago, they ran out of money. So for six months, they've had no one come in. They live in mud and dung huts with the tarps from two years ago. And uh, it's, there's 10,000 people on that landing strip. 
and they cannot leave. So this is why God drug us from here to the end of the earth was to meet these people. And uh, it was pretty incredible. Uh, I want Gerard right now to come on up and kind of share with us a little bit of what we did there. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. That was, uh, that was kind of the greeting once we, we got there uh, from all of the kids. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Uh, this was a picture of kind of the, the Yousef tent um, that they provided. There was four of them. Three of them were used as classrooms, and one of them was the actual medical clinic um, when Justice and the team goes in uh, once a week. Uh, the next slide. Uh, this was actually an exam room. Um, let me rephrase that. This was an exam room. This was a labor and delivery. This was recovery. So um, I know the picture here doesn't necessarily do it justice, but it was not clean. Um, the bed was broken, um, but it was the best that they had there, and the women, they appreciated everything that we had. Um, you could see there really wasn't much of a privacy. You got that little small curtain open there, and then there's an open window over onto the far left there. Uh, so there really wasn't much, but they worked with what they have, especially the team. Uh, the next slide. So each woman, uh, talking from justice, that uh, they get to be seen once, uh, once a week. Um, he does the best type of care that he can give to them. Um, next slide. Uh, this was a pharmacy that we had set up. Um, and, I mean, it was, just, it was just a blessing just to be there and provide for the people that, that don't have. Next slide. This was our um, kind of our waiting room t- for all the women to be seen. I think that day we saw over 20 or 30 it was, yeah, probably was. It was 60, 60 women we saw that day um, just coming in, as well as just regular kind of like sick call kind of thing. Um, they were more so flooding in and pushing in than kind of being seen one by one, which was hard to take, but I, I get the point. Uh, the next slide. Uh, so when... Um, if he has an issue with one of the women, like um, it's going to be like a breech birth or something like that, and he can't do it there and they have to send him to the hospital, um, this, is, this is how they go. Um, so I don't know for you women if you can imagine being in labor and having to take a motorcycle anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours to the hospital. This is, this is what they do. Um, uh, can you go to the next slide? <clears throat> Uh, we were finishing our our um, our treatment for the day, and uh, this little guy came in, and uh, his arm was kind of messed up. So uh, we're kind of trying to get people to go out so that we can leave. Um, but I knew something was wrong with him, um, the way he was acting, and just looking at his arm. Finally, got uh, Rosina and Justice to take a look at it, and um, the, we need to get him to the hospital. So the plan was to get funds together, and they were going to throw him on a boda boda. Um, and in my heart, I didn't feel right um, just to have a busted arm and riding on a motorcycle to a hospital. So uh, my combat medic skills kicked in and uh, got him wrapped up. He, I splinted him with uh, three, um, <laughs> three magazines, um, uh, science magazines, took the scarf off my neck, wrapped it around his neck, threw the ace bandage, like, all right, he's good to go. Um, Justice said that uh, he was taken care of. Uh, come to find out he had seizures, and that's the reason why he fell. But uh, we got him to the hospital, and we took care of him. So it was a blessing to, if we didn't touch everyone's heart, we at least touched one. So that was good to me. Amen. 
Yeah, we sent, I think, four people to the hospital. The hospital's 50 kilometers away on a boda boda, a motorcycle. And uh, one of them was in uh, very deep infection and high fever. And uh, this one and a couple of others. So it was quite interesting. Uh, so had we not been there... You know, those people would not have been treated necessarily. Uh, Charlene, why don't you come on up? Where are you? Ah, Charlene is truly the hero of the... When we were in Amsterdam doing the street ministry, we were all kind of walking around. Would you like a piece of paper? Would you like a flyer? And half of them would say no. And we're like, okay. You know, this girl, every time I turned around, she had one by the nap of the neck and she was praying over them, prophesying over them. I'm telling you what. If you ever want to go street ministry, go with this girl. Yes. Again, I'm... I'm uh, the- The days that we were at the um, refugee camp were uh, intensely heart-wrenching to see the condition of the, especially the children. But I was at the very end of the medical line uh, praying for people before they left. And uh, I had an interpreter the second day whose name was Dale. He was a young 20-year-old man who uh, was born-again believer and he um, had a sadness about him because his parents had died, they died, and he didn't have any siblings. And so I said, well, Dale, when you committed your life to Jesus, you became a member of the family of God. And so you have all these brothers and sisters, and there was a church just a short distance away, and that was the church that he attended. And so it just happened that day that a number of his uh, members of his church came in, and so I would say, Dale, here's your brother. <laughs> Dale, here's your sister. And every time I said that, his eyes lighted up. It was lovely to see, and i and, um, very thankful. Um, another thing that happened that day was that there was a number of, um, fair number, of Muslims that came through, and they were Receptive, they were open for prayer. They didn't seem to, they had no resistance. And so I told each one, uh, the reason that we're here, the reason that you're receiving medical care, uh, medicines, and the other gifts, things that we had for them, is because of the love of the Lord Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. And um, let them know, that truly they were loved, loved, loved of the Lord. And that was the reason they were receiving the things they were receiving. So um, I did pray for them. I tried, in the brief time we had, to incorporate salvation through Jesus Christ. And I believe God to uh, water those seeds. Amen. Barb? Uh, also, while we were at the refugee oh, at the refugee camp, um, <laughs> uh, we had an opportunity to give out uh, toiletries to to the women. And children. Uh, we also get, had an opportunity to. Oh, this slide right here is uh, Marcy. They, they were doing face painting with the children, and so yeah, they loved it. Next slide. Um, this was where we were giving out some of the toys. I had brought some toys. And we gave out some of the stuffed animals and finger puppets. Um, next slide. Uh, again, the little girl receiving uh, a little stuffed animal. 
The next slide. That's also uh, the refugee camp. Um, we, uh, again, we, we, uh, just, we just enjoyed them so much. Uh, the incident that happened with me, though, was uh, all I did was wave and laugh. And they surrounded me and wanted me to laugh and laugh. So about 20, for about 20 minutes in Ugandan time, which is different than our time, uh, <laughs> I was laughing, and they would imitate everything that I did. And so uh, it, it was just uh, so much fun. I got so much joy from that, and they, they received so much joy. And I enjoyed being their little toy for a while. It was just, <laughs> it was just so much fun. And I'm ready to go back anytime. So uh, we also, there one more slide. And this is uh, Miss Dosta. She's at Hannah's house. I brought two of my canes with me and left one there. But Miss Dosta picked one out. You can see the stick, the, the pole behind there leaning against the wall. That's what she had for a cane before I came. <laughs> and she loved it. She loved it so much. So I, it just blessed my heart so much to just be able to sit there and share that with her. And so we just had a wonderful, wonderful time. Yes, and I want you to notice her fashion. This is all Africa. Earrings, purse, she should do a twirl, but we won't go there. Sandy, come on up. What a trip. Every trip is different. Um, Just having been once doesn't mean you've been there, done that, that's for sure. There was a theme that really resonated in my heart this whole trip. I'm trying to get through this without crying. That's back at Leiden. We're worshiping with their church. And they are a powerhouse church. But they are little. And they are in a hard, hard place. And through Pastor Joel, the word was brought to them that they're a remnant that's not forgotten, but a remnant that's being used. That they're in the right place at the right time, and they're being used. You can go to the next one. And we're in the refugee camp. The first morning of the first day, the first 30 minutes or so, Justice spent introducing us to them. And then you could feel the anointing fall on him. And he told them, even though they're not in this place by their own choosing, God knows they're there, has a purpose for them, and has a future for them. And they're not forgotten there. Next one. And then we're at a high school. um, 400 students on Sunday morning. A majority of them are orphans, at least at least partially orphaned, but uh, they live there at this school. And we had the opportunity to, I mean, they're in the same uniform for like all year, okay, day after day. And they're out in the middle of nowhere. And we had the opportunity to pray over them and prophesy over each one of them for their specific futures and their specific dreams and their visions that God has put in their hearts. He knows them personally and he has not forgotten them and they have purpose. And from there, we went to a primary school. Second service of the day, had church again. The first one was three and a half hours. This one was much shorter. But it's also, um, you know, 65 orphans there, living there as a family, the way they're being taught and treated as a family. This is the girl's bedroom. When I went to take their picture, you can go take her picture as she was posing. You see her little foot sticking up there. Um, And we got to sit and watch them as they had lunch. I think there's one more there. And chat and he, learn about their world. Go to the next slide. On the wall behind where the girl was telling us about how they live, this was written on the wall, never forget. Never forget them, and God has never forgotten them. Um, a couple days later, we were riding with 
a young man taking us out to a children's prison. And I got to sit and visit with him. I've known him for a few years and got to hear his heart about when he goes back to his village and his dream for this Christmas, taking Christmas to them, cooking a meal for them. There are 65 kids in this orphanage in his village that are all either blind or deaf or lame. Most of the world has forgotten them, but he wants them to know Jesus' love. And he has, he's making plans to go take them Christmas however he can. And then the last place we went, there's, I think, three more slides, was a children's prison. And that sounds more ominous than it is. It's sort of a, a mixture of um, kids that are orphans, kids that are runaways, kids that have just been found on the streets for whatever reason, um, some kids with AIDS that their families just don't know what to do and have left them there, and then some true criminals. There were, you know, murderers and whatever, and they're all cared for in this place, and some are there different different lengths of time than others. The goal is to get them back out as responsible members of society. But in the meantime, this is where they live and sleep. One more. And as we're touring the place and walking through, three or four of us saw this about the same time, and I don't think there were any dry eyes. This is just a picture of somebody's probably mama laying on their bed. And I can only imagine the stories that go with that. But God knows that precious little person's heart and knowing that just like that mommy has not forgotten that child, God has not forgotten that child. One more. The last room, this is where the hardcore cases that are still awaiting trials or or processes in in the prison system, in the court system, sleep right above the beds. A little kid's heart's crying. Never forget my name. And just know God does not forget them. And if you ever feel forgotten, he doesn't forget you either. Amen. So I think that is why the Lord drug us out to the middle of nowhere. is to make sure that they knew that they weren't forgotten. This silly group of Mazungus coming to see them. Yes, that's what we're called. Next, after we did that, kind of during the same time, as you well know, we've been working on a maternity clinic, building a maternity clinic. Originally, this maternity clinic was supposed to be three small rooms, and uh, we raised some finance and uh, decided that we only had enough to make one room of the three small room clinic. And so we were going to build one room of a three small room clinic. When we arrived, after we taking that very long drive that first day we got out there, we were supposed to go and bless it and uh, get uh, pray over it so that the next morning our team could go out and start building. When we arrived, it was a regular Ugandan-sized mall. It was five rooms long. I looked at Justice and I said, what are you thinking? You are, we're doing a five rooms now? Are you kidding me? That thing is twice the size. And besides, you have already laid the foundation. They have the foundation already for the whole entire thing. Remember, we all, we're little. We're nothing. We don't have enough money. All we can do is one room. What are you thinking? And he, you know, he was like, let's do it. And I'm like, Okay, let's go. I, got, I, I had my money belt on. It was about that thick of USD. And uh, so we are like, okay, let's go. Let's do this thing as far as we can go, right? So that's five rooms, and that is the, the um, foundation. Uh, Mike, uh, come on up. And uh, the different ones were all really involved, but Mike was absolutely involved. Why don't you share a little bit about the engineer? 
<clears throat> this guy was a Muslim, and he professed he was a Muslim. But uh, he's in there. He's in there somewhere. I can't point him out. He's on the far end, on the right, uh, on your, on your, uh, well, my right, your left. Anyway, <laughs> in the blue. Yeah, he's in the blue. Anyway, he said, "I'm going to build you the best. No matter what, it's going to be the best." And so we went from that point on. And you can't complain when someone says, "I'm going to do it," and he did it. Anyway, this is his crew, and our, I'm part of us. Uh, when we got there. It was, the first day was kind of different because it was who's going to work with who, who's going to do what, this type of thing. So we just kind of were on the periphery of the thing, keeping the site going, this type of stuff, helping them out as needed. The second day, we started working with them a little bit better. Things meshed a little bit better. Uh, but then we realized on the first day, these guys don't have helmets. They don't have gloves. Some of them don't have shoes. So we rounded up some rubber boots for them, this type of thing. And so that's what you see in there where some of the guys... The workers themselves have some protection. Then when we got into our uh, uh, third day, uh, just Kim McLaughlin and myself were there. And for one reason, there was one guy that was always wearing a, an umbrella hat. And he's a bricklayer. Well, he didn't have it that day, which is okay. It was cloudy. But anyway, we started working together with them. Ken was up on the scaffolding, helping build the scaffolding, and I was down below doing some wood cutting. Uh, putting the uh, uh, rebar together in a triangle form, this type of stuff, and putting it up there. So we're working together for once, really working, and that was throughout the whole thing. And when they said, we got a break for the day. And so we, we were going to be done, head, go have some uh, snack and head back to Miss Hoska. Anyway, I took my gloves off, my hat off. I gave it to this guy that was laying the bricks, that had the, wasn't wearing his umbrella hat. He put the hat on backwards like we, most of the guys over here will do. And he looked at me, shook my hand, and had tears in his eyes. To me, that means that we made some kind of an impression working with him, this type of stuff. But there's one other thing that I've got to relate. When we finished that day, we're in the bus getting ready to go. Jared, who is the RN there that's working with all the, the uh, refugee women, took us up about uh, a quarter of a mile up the road where this woman had just had a baby three weeks ago. And he was concerned, he's headed in the hospital, and no one knows what to do with it. Her heart sits right here in the stomach, right on top of the stomach. You can actually sit there and see the thing beat. And this guy, and he figures it's going to be at least four months before they can, might be able to do anything for this baby. And he's praying, and I think we can put her on our prayer list to say, please, please, God, do something for this baby or find some relief for her. Thank you. Amen. Amen. So let's move on to some more pictures here about the construction. We got to go quick here because we're stealing. That right there is the water truck. That is the water truck. And um, there was an African that would ride that filled with water. Go to the next one. That is the cement truck. That brought all the bags of cement into the site. Go to the next one. This is the, fine, the last time I saw it. Now, remember, we only had enough ability. I, to build, build a building this size, it takes between forty and 50,000 USD. That's what we were told at the very end. Okay? We only brought 10. But can I just tell you something? The exchange rate doubled while we were there. So our 10 was worth 20. 
And I kept having my little pouch, and he'd come to me, I need this, I need this, and I'd just give it to him. It was like sprinkling fairy dust all over the place. Stuff just kept going and going and going, okay? So by the end, we had enough money for the, all the brick, all the mortar. I had purchased all the roof. And uh, at the very end, go ahead to the next, what's, I can't remember what the next, is there another slide of construction? Oh, go back. Okay. So by the, by the end, we were able to give them all the finance for that. And uh, we, had, we were really rejoicing at that point because it sounded like we had finished it. The floors, the doors, the windows. I had enough dollars to give him for that. He has enough right now for a five-room maternity clinic. That is, there's nothing like this sort in that whole area. It is incredible. He is servicing. People are riding their boda bodas and their little bicycles in from Tanzania. He is becoming a famous, famous, wonderful hero of a man. All the people from the refugee camp come up to him. He goes to them. This is a, don't get me wrong here, people, five, five room. He has, it is like, it's, it's wonderful. And we had enough finance, once again, to do the walls, the roof, the windows, the door, the floor, and the ceiling. How does that happen? There are two things he needs left to be able to get him into this. He has to plaster it inside and out, and he has to put a, um, a septic tank down into the pit latrine. He's going to actually have a shower. <laughs> There's not one shower within I don't know how many hundreds of miles of that place, I'm telling you. And he's going to have a flush toilet, and he's going to have running water there for these women. He, he's going to have a borehole put. We need $4,500 to finish the whole thing, to have it to be to this point. He's also going to put in a solar system so he can run a refrigerator. It'll be the only refrigerator in probably 100 miles so that he can put his medicines in it so that he can do a vaccination program because none of those children out there are truly vaccinated because by the time the vaccinations get there or sit there for a day, they go bad because of the heat. So this is where we're at. If you have a heart desire, you can give me your money and I will get it there. $4,500 and let's get it finished. Anyway, so that's that. Um, After we did that, we did some Recover Life. Alyssa, which one? Quick. All right, I'll be quick. And I can hold my mic so you can turn me down a little bit. My grandfather was a preacher and we learned this week that I got a little of that in me too. Oh boy. It was fun. Uh, we all have a ton of stories. One of the very best things that you can do for your missionaries is go listen to their stories and then never let, uh, just, just go hear their stories. Um, we had a ridiculous amount of spiritual warfare, uh, this, this last couple of weeks. And I would say even leading up to the trip and since we've been home, crazy, crazy things, uh, happening again, ask for stories from some of these guys. Um, we had at 1.5 vehicle breakdowns inside of three days, uh, unprecedented. And uh, how many of you have been through Restored Life? Have you been through Recover Life? Good. If you haven't, get there. Thursday nights, there's an all-day intensive in November. Get there, get there, get there. Um, the premise of Restored Life is to give you the tools that you need to live a fruitful life, to live the life that God intended for you. We had the privilege of taking four churches there through Restored Life. Pastor trusted us with that, and uh, it was really fun. It was really incredible. Um, we shared some of the teaching. We did about 25 one-on-one sessions and had a, about 200 people go through the course. Uh, thank you so much for praying us, for us, for encouraging our team, for sending us. Uh, our hope is that the pastors at each of those churches are going to continue to teach and empower their people too. So thank you for being involved. Amen. We are a missions church, 
And uh, we go forth, uh, and I can't wait to have one of you standing up here with the next team. Amen? Amen. You guys may be seated. And uh, thank you once again, once again, once again. We went over there, and we made a difference. We made changes. Uh, So many stories to tell. Um, So many incredible things. But the best thing is that we're back here, and we're back with family. And I can't wait to see what God's got to do with you, in Jesus' name. Let's uh, pray and get Mr. Wolf on the... Your victory, your victory, and I'll jump right into it. Literally, I'll be done in three minutes. But, uh, uh, but your victory, I want to encourage you, your victory is tied up in your mouth. Your victory is tied up in your mouth. Uh, And that means that, now Satan knows that. That's why he doesn't want you to pray and he doesn't want you to say the word. He doesn't want you to say who you are. He doesn't want you to proclaim healing over yourself. He doesn't want you to prophesy goodness over your future. He wants you wound up more and more in the television, the movies, the radio, Facebook, and none of that is evil. I'm just saying he just wants you wound up in distraction. Whatever works for you, whatever is the most convenient distraction for you, he wants you wound up in brush fires and distraction uh, so that you do not engage the most powerful thing that you have to lead yourself into victory. And that is your mouth. Your mouth will lead you into victory. Your mouth will lead you into your breakthrough. Romans chapter 8, uh, Romans chapter 10, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 10, 8 through 10, talks about where is, where is the power, where is the grace, where is the manifestation, where is the salvation of Jesus, where, where is it, where can we find it, where can we find the Christ and the fullness of the Christ? Where can we find his manifestation and where can, we, where can we find that he, his grace, will manifest? Romans chapter 10, 8 through 10, it says, should we, should we go into the abyss and try to bring him up? Should we go into the heavens and try to bring him down? Where is this word, this ministry of faith that will bring the turnaround in your life? Here's where the word is. It says, the word is near you and even in your mouth. That is, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, and if you will believe Jesus as Lord, if you'll believe it in your heart, then it will work as unto righteousness for you. And if you'll confess it with your mouth... It will bring your breakthrough. It will bring salvation. The word salvation there is not the word like salvation, like just getting saved. We walk the altar, we come forward, we acknowledge Jesus as our Savior. But the word there goes beyond that. See, this is not a scripture that is a one-time word. And it goes on to say, by the way, it says that no one who trusts in Jesus will be disappointed. And it's not just trusting in Jesus for that one-time salvation experience, or if you're like me, the 500th 
Yeah, I probably walked the front 500 times. It's not just trusting in Jesus for that one-time salvation experience, but it's literally declaring the Lord in everything that you do and in every situation. Jesus, I guarantee you, Jesus is your victory. Jesus is your healing. Jesus is your deliverance. Jesus is the renewal of mind. Jesus is your breakthrough in every situation. If you will believe that Jesus, that his lordship, that his lordship extends over every area of life, that his lordship extends over all of your enemies, that his lordship extends into your future, if you will believe that his lordship has the power to not only change you, but change everything in your life. When you believe that, it moves you into a right relationship with Father, a relationship wherein he can release his grace if you will also confess that with your mouth. Confess that with your mouth. So I would say to you, your victory is in your mouth. Your victory is in your mouth. Talk more. Talk more about who you are in God. Pray more, and as you pray, reflect on who you are in God. Temptation is coming up. Seduction is coming up. The old nature is coming up. The pull, the gravitational pull of sin is coming up. Not only refuse to listen to it, but talk about who you are in Christ. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't go over there anymore. I'm a new creation. His life, his li- he's not just forgiven you. He's changed your nature. Amen? Come on, stand with me this morning. Oh, that we would know. Oh, that we would know. This is why we're so powerful in Africa. And this is why we're so powerful in downtown Tacoma. This is why we're so powerful everywhere we go. This is why the enemy doesn't like this church or like you coming to this church. This is why the enemy wants to keep you out of this church. You that are newer to the flock, you that are newer to the congregation, this is why. This is why there's struggle coming into Sunday morning. Oh, the enemy doesn't want you to know that you're not just forgiven, you're not just redeemed. You have the divine nature of God himself dwelling in you. He has transformed your nature. That that it's not wrong for you, it's not wrong for you to acknowledge that his power is yours, that his grace is yours, that his provision is yours, that his blessing is yours. Everything that belongs to Jesus now belongs to you. The enemy doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to meditate on that. He doesn't want you, the last thing, he doesn't want you to confess that. He does not want you to say that. Because he knows what James told us in chapter 3, that the tongue is the rudder. 
The tongue is the rudder of your life. The tongue determines where you're going to go. The tongue sets your whole life course. The tongue determines your whole destiny. The way you talk. He knows what, what Solomon and those of the wisdom letters wrote, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. He knows that. He doesn't want you to agree with what God has done. Did you know he's, he, 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 he'll, accept that you, he'll accept that you'll agree that you're forgiven. But don't start, don't start talking about how you're transformed, how you're not who you used to be, that your appetites are changed, that your nature is the nature of the Lord Jesus. Don't start talking that way. Oh, he doesn't want you talking that way. But God does. Father knows that as you begin to agree with this transformational grace, it will begin to work its way out within you. And moment by moment, day by day, you'll begin to see the manifestation of transformational change within you. And not only within you, within all of your stuff, within all of your family, within all that pertains to you. It doesn't appear overnight because it's activated and working like a seed. It's activated and working like a seed. And you plant it by coming into agreement with it. I am a child of God. I am filled with love. I am an honorable vessel. I carry the oil and the goodness of God within me. Oh, talk to yourself more. Talk to yourself more. I am healed. I am healed. I am healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Everything about me receives healing. Come on, talk to yourself. 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 Reflect on the unity you have with Jesus. Why should communion be a cup we drink and not a transformational change that is made? When we take Jesus within us, don't you know he's ready to change us, but we have to believe it in the heart and confess it with the mouth. Amen? Heads bowed, eyes closed as we pray this morning. I want to remind you and welcome you. We're ending today with our Connect reception. If you're newer to our body, come back. Just spend a couple minutes with us. Got a couple gifts for you. We'd love to shake your hand, get to know you. This is really about as deep as it gets for membership around here. We don't have 12 classes that you attend. We don't. You'll shed no blood. But we do want to offer that connection. But right now, we just declared transformational faith. Transformational faith is coming alive within your heart. Would you talk to yourself right now and just say, I receive your grace, Father. I receive the grace that transforms me. I receive the grace that heals me. I receive the indwelling presence of the Lord. I receive the divine nature of God. I receive, I receive, I receive. And Lord, we just say, 
Activate our tongues this week. Let there come a fresh conviction right now that we talk, that we pray, that we muse, that we phrase, that we speak, that we bring to the forefront of our mouth who you've made us to be and all that you've done for us in Jesus. We thank you for it. And everybody said, God bless you, church.